All right, we're looking at 1 Thessalonians, and I told you that the key verse is, uh, it's up there. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart, make you holy, um, sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Easier said than done, right? We're going to be, our whole spirit, soul, and body are going to be kept blameless. Easier said than done. So how do we do that? Last week we said it's through Jesus. That's the beginning and the end of it. It's through Jesus. There's no sanctification. There's no being made holy. There's no uh, person who is blameless outside of the person of Jesus. Then we have a strange one today. Listen to men. Now, husbands, look up here. I'm not telling you to go home and tell your wife, listen to me. That's not what I mean. Wives, I'm not saying um, you... I'm saying, listen to people, all right? But listen to men. But you have to listen to certain men. They have to be holy, righteous, and blameless. And all the women just elbowed their husbands and said, you're out, all right? They've got to be holy, righteous, and blameless. That makes the list a lot smaller. And they have to be people who speak the word of God. And that's actually the same list. If you're holy and righteous and blameless, you are going to be a person of the word of God. Because there's no way to know what it takes to be holy and righteous and blameless if you don't have scripture. Uh, if you don't have the Bible telling you what you can and can't do, what you should and shouldn't do, what you should think and what you shouldn't think, you would not come up with everything um, that, um, that the Bible says. So if you're going to be holy and righteous and blameless, it starts with the word of God. It starts right here. And you start reading and you go, I missed, I missed, I missed, I missed, I missed. And that's when we get to tell you that the sanctifying work of the, the Holy Spirit is twofold. It's positional in that once you became a Christian, you became sanctified, made holy, set apart, perfect in the, uh, the eyes of God. And that was done through Jesus. And now your everyday sanctification goes up and down, right? There are some days where you feel like you're quite holy and other days where you feel like not, not quite. Um, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus help with that um, to, um, uh, to equip you to, to be better. So let's take a look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, and it says, for. Um, now, if you have an NIV Bible, they took the for out. I don't know why they do it too often. Uh, they take one out in verse 5 as well. If you like to write in your Bible, write them back in. Um, because they're important words that show you what the text is doing and why um, the writer is writing these things. So four, um, write it in. Four, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. You can tell Paul's in ministry um, because sometimes it feels like there are no results. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like there are great results, so they're gone now so I can embarrass them. But did anybody see who was sitting in between Brenda and Bob today? Her Sunday school class, girls. That is showing that she has an impact in um, her ministry. And that is a way that, look, there are results. I did all this work. I came in um, to, uh, to church even on a scooter, but the girls like her. Um, the boys like her too, right, Matthew? Yeah. They were saying their Bible verse to me, and they, Matthew said it nice and loud. It was good. Our visit was not without results. So if you remember from Acts chapter 17, a couple of Jews, some prominent women, some Greeks, it, and they were there for about three weeks before they got kicked out. You could see him going, oh, 
There weren't results. We didn't get to stay there. We didn't get to make friends. We didn't get to plant the church like we wanted to. Uh, but instead, he's saying there were results because the very people he's writing to are the results of his ministry that then um, told people about Jesus and those people told people about Jesus. And now um, Thessalonica has a church because of the visit. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. You remember the story of Thessalonians, right? Three weeks and they were kicked out. And he's telling them how bad they had it at Philippi. So that means things are, things are not great for Paul most of the time. Um, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. So one of the things about these people who, these men who are holy and righteous and blameless, these men who speak the word, is they are going to be men who speak the gospel. Men or women, people who speak the gospel. Young or old, people who speak the gospel. Even though they faced strong opposition, even though three weeks in they were kicked out, even though it seemed like there was no result, even though they had just had a tough time in Philippi and it would have been great to just have a, a little bit of vacation on the Mediterranean Sea, instead, not so, and they faced strong opposition and they gave the gospel. They told the people about Jesus. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, now what Paul is doing here, he's, he seems to be given some reasons that people don't like him and then some reasons um, that, that's not, that that's not true. We don't know if these were actual um, things that were said to him said, you're greedy, you're, you don't work hard, you don't do these things, and he's defending himself, or if he's just saying, this is, this is what we do. So we didn't, um, it doesn't, the appeal we make doesn't spring from error or impure motives. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Wouldn't it be really cool to be entrusted with the gospel? How many of you like, would like to be entrusted, by the entrusted with the gospel? Okay, I tricked you. You are. You are, and some of you are like, I saw that coming, Pastor Andrew, that's fine, you're good for you. Um, you are entrusted with the gospel, um, just as Paul was, and you're not trying to trick people, you're not coming with error or impure motive, you're saying, look at this thing that I've been told, look at this good news that I have, I have been entrusted with this and I want to tell you it. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. I don't think I've ever shared the gospel where it's pleased the person. Uh, I mean, honestly, even the people who have come to know Jesus as Savior, the initial reaction to the gospel tends to be negative. If you want to be a people pleaser, don't share the gospel. If you want to be a God pleaser, share the gospel. And it is a really difficult thing to do because when you tell people about Jesus, this good news, this light for the Gentiles, this thing that brings great joy, this salvation, People react to it poorly, and it's tough. But we're not people pleasers, we're God pleasers. Verse five, four, you know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our, our witness. We didn't come, uh, he says in 1 Corinthians with these uh, words of wisdom, we didn't come uh, to try and reason people into the kingdom of God with flattery. We didn't um, come in a greedy way. We're not looking for praise from people nor from you or anybody else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have, as, have asserted our authority. These are some of my favorite phrases that Paul makes. Those, we didn't do this, but we could have. Uh, and Paul says them quite often. Uh, we didn't ask for praise from people, uh, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. He could have walked in and said, I'm Paul. 
listen up, I'm Paul, and if you don't believe me, I'm going to write a letter to you, and they're going to be reading it 2,000 years from now. That's who I am. And he says, we didn't, we didn't do that, because they didn't want to get praise from people, because we're not people who seek uh, the praises of men. We're people who seek the praises of God. Instead, we were like young children among you, underlying children, right? Nobody moved. Underlying children. Okay. Uh, because it's interesting what, what Paul is going to do. He's going to talk about being a child. He's going to talk about being a mom. And he's going to talk about being a dad. So we were like young children uh, among you. Uh, just, oh, the red didn't show up. Oops. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Did you ever try and take a baby from its mom? They're not usually, they're not usually happy. Um, we watched a couple of kids on Friday night and then 40,000 of them at the, the bowling alley. Um, they didn't like when their mommy left. Um, and, and I used flattery. Uh, I used manipulation. We got into the car to go to the bowling alley and the, the, the one kid goes, where are my mom and dad? I said, well, we're going bowling and then we're going to go see them. Ha, tricked him. And he goes, okay, I want to drive in their car. Ah, he got me. Uh, we, uh, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. The thing that has the most impact on people is the gospel of God, but most of them aren't going to hear it unless you share your life with them. Um, it's very tough to walk out this door stop traffic and say, let me tell you about Jesus. The better thing to do is to share your lives with people and to have them realize that you are um, a real person, that you're not fake, uh, that there's something different about you. Now, that doesn't let us off the hook about sharing the gospel. What I'm saying is you've got to do both. Paul went into the synagogues and preached the gospel um, at peril to, to him, but he also lived among the people and worked with them and showed them his character, that he was not just Paul, writer to the Thessalonians, you know, standing in an ivory tower that nobody could approach. He was Paul, person who was, was with them. He shared their lives with them so that he could bring the gospel of God to them. Four, you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Night and day, preaching the gospel of God over and over and over again. They were working. They were doing what they, what they had to do. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you. Paul says that he is holy, righteous, and blameless. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to just have a week where you were holy, righteous, and blameless? Wouldn't it be cool to have one day where you can be like last Tuesday, holy, righteous, and blameless? Wouldn't it be cool to have an hour, two o'clock, holy, righteous, and blameless? Um, I've never gone that, that long. Uh, and Paul's saying the three weeks we were there, we worked hard, we shared the gospel, and we were holy and righteous and blameless. Does he mean perfect? Now, I imagine sometime in those three weeks Paul sinned. Um, holy, righteous, and blameless, if you're looking for a perfect person to follow, Jesus. That's it. That's the list. If you're looking for someone where you're saying, how do I... How do I live in the 21st century? How do I live like this? You've got to find people who are holy, righteous, and blameless, people who speak the gospel, um, people who are approved by God, people who um, share 
from the Word of God. And some of that is when they do something wrong, they admit it. When they do something wrong, they ask for forgiveness. That's part of, um, of what we want to see in someone who's holy, righteous, and blameless. Um, your witnesses, and so is God, uh, that we were holy, righteous, and blameless um, when we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So he's a child, he's a mom, and he's a, he's a dad. And when I got to this, I was like, okay, the mom, the caring, the loving, all right, what'd the dad do? We smacked you with a ruler. We did, I mean, not that I was never smacked with a ruler, but, you know, here comes, here comes the discipline that we, no, look at this, as a father deals with his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God. What a great if you're a dad, soon-to-be dad, if you're a grandfather, if your kid's 41 years old, circle this and say, that's what a dad should be, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Uh, can you imagine having a father like that who's encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God? Now, I will tell you that sometimes that urging has to be done in different ways for different children. Some of us need a more physical urging than, than others. Uh, some of us need more than just a gentle reminder, and a, a harsh rebuke is certainly, certainly fine, but dads, wouldn't it be great to be uh, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God? Sunday school teachers, men, women, teach your kids, just encourage them and comfort them and urge them to live lives worthy of God. Youth leaders, everyone, just be that, that kind of person um, that we ought to be um, encouraging and comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, whether they're our kids, whether they're somebody else's kids, whether they're old people, whether they're young people, doesn't matter. Teach them to, um, to love God. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you didn't accept it as human word, but what it actually is, the word of God. So Paul is talking now, he's, he's writing Thessalonians, which is the word of God, but he's talking about when he talked to, to the people of um, Thessalonica. So he's not talking about the written word of God right now. He's talking about the word of God, the gospel message, um, who Jesus is and what he has done. So he's saying, I thank you. I thank God continually that when we told you about Jesus, when we told you that he was God, when he to we told you that he was the savior of the world, when we told you that he was the promised Messiah, you didn't accept it as words from Paul. You accepted it as it is, words from God. And that God is at work in all of you who believe. What an incredible message that Paul is able to say, while I didn't have New Testament scripture yet, I had the very words of God that are Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. Uh, Jesus is the Savior of the world. And that God who was at work in Paul to give that correct message was also at work in the people who believed. To hear that correct message, to put that correct message in, in um, context, and he gives them the gift of faith to accept that gospel message not as Paul's word, but as God's word. For you, brothers and sisters, became um, of God's became imitators. Thank you. Brian had it. He saw the mistake, became imitators, uh, an equal sign. They became imitators of God's churches in Judea. So here we're seeing that, that people are trying to be like, like other people in a, in a good way, um, that we, we follow men who are holy and righteous and blameless, and we follow men who are approved by God 
and we follow men who preach the, the word of God, and we follow men who preach the gospel. Here they're saying, we looked at the churches in Judea. We looked at all those other churches, and we became imitators of those churches because they were doing things, and they were taught by people uh, who taught them how to do the right things, people like Paul and, and others. Um, so we became imitators of the churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews uh, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. So here Paul's reminding everybody that Christianity is tough. They killed our Savior, Jesus. Um, they've persecuted Paul. They've persecuted the churches that he's, he's been in. Uh, and he, he talks specifically about the Jews because that's who was uh, persecuting them. Um, it's going to expand. Um, the Romans are going to start persecuting them in a few years, and they're going to do it for a couple of centuries. Uh, the world is going to start persecuting them in, in a few centuries. It's not just um, a, a Jewish thing, but rather it is um, people don't like Christianity because Christianity says if you're going to be holy and righteous and blameless, then you have to follow this certain set of rules. If you're going to live correctly, then you have to live um, what the Bible says and you have to believe in Jesus. And there's no other way. And that's tough for people because you're saying to them, your way is wrong and your way is wrong and your way is wrong and the only way is this. Now what you want to be careful of is don't say your way is wrong, your way is wrong, your way is wrong and my way is right. Because it's not your way. Uh, it is the way. Um, and who is the way, the truth, and the life? All right. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Anyone else? Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. Okay. Thank you, left side as well. All right, middle, this is for you. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. Okay, good job. Pastor Art helped on that one. A little, we gotta, we'll work on it. All right? Um, they displeased God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. People are hostile to the gospel message. People are hostile to churches. Churches that are doing things for God, people don't like. Churches that just sit on the corner and do nothing, that's fine. Nobody, nobody minds them. But when a church goes out, when people go out, when a person goes out and says, the way to salvation is Jesus, um, people are going to be hostile about it. Um, and you know what Paul did with that hostility? He shared the gospel message. And he just kept telling people about Jesus. And if they kicked him out of the town, you know what he did? He went to the next town and he told them about Jesus. And he prayed for the town that he had previously been in. And he writes back to the town that he had previously been in uh, as he goes to Berea after Thessalon Thessalonica. And he says, hey, we did have some results there. Good things did happen. Um, and he keeps telling people about Jesus so that they can be saved. Uh, in this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Um, I always have difficulty with passages like this. Um, well, that's not entirely true. I love passages like this, but have difficulty with them. I like the idea that people who disagree with me get God's wrath and heap up their sins. Ha-ha, God's going to get you. And then I have trouble going, but how do I explain to them a loving Jesus when Paul's able to go, but they're in big, big trouble for, for doing these things. Think about Paul for one minute. He started out 
as a persecutor of the church. He started out uh, doing exactly what he's accusing these Jews of. Um, he would have killed Jesus had he been there. He did kill his, uh, some of Jesus' prophets. He did drive people out. Um, he was hostile to everyone who was a Christian. He was heaping his sins to the limit and the wrath of God was going to come on him. And then Jesus came into his life, introduced himself, and Paul turned it all around and decided, I'm going to tell everybody I can about the gospel of Jesus. It shows that there's always the ability to repent. There's always the ability to come back to God. Because even someone who's, who did the very things that he's saying these people are guilty of, he did these things once he saw Jesus uh, and once he accepted Jesus as his savior. That was forgiven and his life was, was turned around. All right, if you wanna be holy and blameless, then you're going to have to find some people uh, who are holy and righteous and blameless and ask them questions. Um, see what, what they're doing. If you want to be um, uh, set apart and sanctified and made holy, then you're gonna have to find people who preach the Bible, who preach the gospel, who are approved by God. Where do you find these wonderful people? Everybody look around. Here, here at Community EFC or any of the other Bible preaching churches around the area. That is one of the reasons that church is so important. God did not design the Christian life to be you, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit out in the middle of the desert with nobody around. You can do that and you will likely fail. He designed this group of people, this church, to help us with church. Because there are times where you don't know what to do. Even though you've read, even though you've studied, even though you've prayed, even though you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, you go, I don't, I don't know. And you ask. And you talk to people who are not even necessarily smarter than you, not even necessarily more holy and righteous and blameless than you, but maybe they're further down the line than you are. Maybe they have older kids. Maybe they have older parents and you have questions about, about all of that. Maybe they have a wisdom from being outside of the situation that you don't have. Um, one of the things that was an aha moment in my life was when I realized that I can solve all of your problems. It's true. It's really very, very simple. I've never seen one of your problems that's difficult to solve. It's my problems that are hard to solve. And that's because it's very easy to give someone the solution to something. It's a lot harder to actually do the solution. And sometimes you need to bring someone in from outside of your life to ask, hey, what should I be doing? And they'll go, give me five minutes and I got a solution for you. It's no problem. And then it's very helpful then to have someone in your life who can say, now let's work on the, the solution. I kind of picked on counselors last week. Um, sorry, Meg. I love biblical counselors because it means I don't have to do it. I love people who will come alongside someone. It's very, again, you want to come to me, I'll give you the solution, and then say, go with God, you know, have fun. But a counselor can come along and say, let me work with you on how to, to put this in practice. Um, and they're, they're so vital to, uh, to have um, and find a counselor who preaches the word. Find a counselor who believes that the way to be holy, righteous, and blameless is by following uh, what, what the Bible says. So look for those people. Um, they're people with wisdom. They're male. They're female. 
They're old, they're young, uh, they're not always the same person. It's not always Pastor Art, it's not always Mr. Sager, it's not always an elder. Um, it could be an elder's wife. It might not be Dwayne, it might be Wendy. Um, it might not be Dwayne or Wendy, it might be an elder son, it might be Zach. Um, Zach's like, no, don't ask me. Uh, no, Kirsten's going, no, it's not Zach. <laughs> Uh, and it could be different in all, in all situations. Um, you know, parents who, are, who, are, who have kids who are in the service right now who are going, what do I, what do, I do with the phone? Uh, ask some people who have been through it before. Ask some people like Anna who are older, um, who don't have kids but who are older and understand. Ask. Ask Eden and Emily what they would do with their kids. Um, ask me and Miss Lori, and we'll tell you, don't get your kids' phones forever, just forever. Um, Brian had it so much writer than we did. Um, uh. And ask, ask people, ask, 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 ask. That's the whole, one of the reasons that we have a church body, so that we can help you make you and your children a better person and so that you can help us make me and my ch ch children uh, better, better people as well. All right, find some people that you can trust. Find people who are holy and righteous and blameless. Find people who preach the word of God, who are approved by God. Find people who love the gospel and follow them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can come and worship one of the, the great um, things that we get to do here at Community is worship you. Um, but it's not just solely about worship. We also have to work on our, our lives and become better people. Lord, we thank you that you give us guidance on how to do that. We thank you that you give us uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit to help us do that. And we thank you for the church community that you give us as well that can teach us and guide us and hold us accountable. In Jesus' name, amen.